With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, the media monkeys and the junket junkies invite you to the plastic pantomime. Oh, I see. So now I'm an outsider. No one is online. Media Outsiders. Welcome to the Media Outsiders, a look at media from the outsider's point of view. If you want to be on the show, call 724-898-2110. Now here's your host, Logan. Great host, you say? Then I'm Logan. Well, it's Sunday night, so that means it's time for the show that's heard coast-to-coast, nation-to-nation, entertainment unleashed, and that's the Media Outsiders. I'm your host, Logan, and the Media Outsiders is recorded on Sunday nights when we get around to doing it nowadays. We've actually been going to about a once-a-month schedule, and we're back for the first time in a couple of months since no one showed up for last month's show. Shame on all you guys. What do you think about that, Kendar? Just calling you out there, right? Mea culpa? <laughs> well, like, like Kendar and I were talking about before the show started, when it is a once-a-month thing, people tend to lose track and not back on, on the same pattern. So I don't, I don't blame anyone. But if you'd like to call in, if you'd like your voice to be heard, the number is 724-898-2110. Once again, 724-898-2110. 2110. Or you can log into our chat room, which is fun, free, and exciting at www.tinyurl.com forward slash media outsiders. Be sure to check out our website, which today I spent some time trying to update a little bit. We're not completely up to date yet, but that is mediaoutsiders.com. You'll find a lot of our past episodes, cast bios, some video game tutorials, a lot of stuff out there at mediaoutsiders.com. Well, now it's time where we introduce the people that are here and like to welcome back after a long time one of our regulars, Kindar. How are you? Hi, good evening, everyone. I'm doing well. Um, Well, I'm not going to go back, what, six months since the last time I was here. I will just say I've had a good time. Driving has been going well. And my second... Okay, I am not on... Specifically for that, I, I I swear I'm not on just to advertise my book, but it did it, I did self-publish it this week. Go ahead it's and publish your book. It is not on purpose. That is a coincidence. So here's the link for anyone who wants to go see. This is a, a page that will redistribute, we'd redirect to all the stores where it's available. It's uh, a wasteful death, a story set in a world where. Uh, animals are the only people in the world, so they have to hunt each other to survive. Oh, welcome to Zootopia. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
not quite. I mean, for one thing, for one thing, the book uh, predates the Zootopia by well, I don't know a decade, and for the other, I definitely go more the animalistic version. Um, okay, so but, yeah. as as Squid would say, then welcome to Zootopia XXX. <laughs> it is not an adult book. Well, okay, it's a mature book. It is not pornography. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, I've uh, my editor is working on my third book, uh, so I'm hoping that that will be out in a couple of months, and I'm doing the second draft of my fourth. And I'm really hoping that'll be that one will be out before the end of the year. That one will is gonna is gonna be tight. Well, I mean I know a lot of people that do writing. You write and I know Scottish Pearl has tried to publish some. I'm thinking I might publish a, a book myself. See Logan well, nice Run. About... See Logan Sorry, Run Fast. See Ro- Logan <laughs> Fall. See Logan Break Bones. The end. What do you think? Well, I mean, I'm sure in certain market it would be a bestseller. Okay. And this is a this is a nice thing about self-publishing. You can publish whatever you want, and then the market decides if it's worthwhile or not. You know, you don't you don't have to worry about somebody saying no, it's it's not worthwhile before you even attempt it. I actually have a Facebook friend who has published a number of books. One of them they're talking about turning into a a TV series, also from up in Canada, up there with you. Cool. Who is that? I'm Blake Northcott. Not familiar with the she, name. She went by for the longest time online as a comic book girl. But she Okay, has, well, I know the name. I, was she on your show for a while? I, I've tried to get her on the show, but we haven't got her on. No. Okay, but I, I've I've heard that I've heard that name before. Yep, and uh, in fact, let me. I'm doing a search here for her. She did the uh, books, the Arena Mode. I guess it's like a trilogy. So, but she's done some books called Arena Mode. Saga 1, 2, uh, Versus Reality, Arena Mode Saga number 3, Relapse. Well, she has about five or six books out there on Goodreads. Okay. Yeah, yeah well, I'm looking at the, the first one on Amazon. She promised me a couple of years ago for the her first book, Versus Reality, to get a copy so I could read and review it. And I'm still waiting for it. So, but maybe you need to remind her. Nah, it's she has too many too many people now on Facebook messaging her and stuff like that that it's hard for her to see what's coming in. But let's welcome on to the phone lines Scottish Pearl. Hello, Scottish Pearl. Hello, guys. All right, so the kids are cooperating, right? Kids seem to be cooperating. Yes. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that does not happen very often. <laughs> well, we're going to, like we were talking earlier, we're going to try to get back on schedule here soon eventually. And that way your kids will just have to get into schedule knowing when to be quiet. I like it. 
or as Apocalypse Rex, who is in our chat room, says, use sedatives. And we've even mentioned muzzles. Muzzles. Yeah, that could work. <laughs> and trust me, I am, I am beginning to know the feeling of using sedatives. Because all summer long, I babysat a four and a seven-year-old for 10 hours a day. Yeah, you know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yep, and I still have the four-year-old, and I pick up the seven-year-old after school now nowadays. So yeah, yeah, I, I realized I never really listened to parents when they said nap time is a blessing. <laughs> so now now I know what they mean by that. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and ba- baby Benadryl. So I, I've never used it. <laughs> No, no, <laughs> no, I had the perfect thing. I would take them out to Burger King for lunch where they had the indoor playground. Or here in our yeah. town, we have a large pizzeria called Larry's Pizza. And they had an indoor playground type thing. It was actually worth you paying $5 to let the kids in there. And it's about the size yeah. of 15, like Burger King playgrounds. It had little zip lines yeah. and a big giant ball pit and stuff like that. And they just play for two, three hours there, go back, and I'd say, okay, nap time. I'm not tired. Zonk. <laughs> yes. They just wear themselves out. Anything you can do to just wear them out. Yep. <laughs> so, and I, I wore them out as much as I could. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's who we have with us today. We have Kindar, Scottish Pearl on the phone, and Apocalyptus Rex in the chat room. So, Let's jump over and go into something we haven't talked about for a long time, and that is the box office for this week. And if I were to catch up, I'd have to go back months and months and months to talk about some of the movies out there. Like, we still have a great movie that is out still, Captain America Civil War, and that's still bringing in a ton of money. Uh, It's well past its, its budget. But we're just going to talk about the top five. So starting at number five is the movie that I went to see this week. And I have mentioned this before. And let's see if you guys remember. Who is one of my favorite action heroes? I have no idea. Jason Statham. Thank you. Yep. (laughs) He's one of mine, too. (laughs) And he is back with with Mechanic Resurrection. Brought in $7.5 million. It doesn't have a budget listed first week out. Number two is a movie which I will never go see. Or number four, I should say. Sausage Party. $7.6 million this week. $80 million domestic. $19 million budget third week out. So they're going to have a sequel probably. Yeah. Disgusting. Number three. Kubo and the Two Strings, $7.9 million, 24.9 domestic, $60 million budget, second week out. Number two is a movie that we're going to talk a little bit about here. Suicide Squad, finally been knocked out of the first place after three weeks of being number one. $12.1 million this week. Total gross domestic is $282.8 million, $175 million budget. It's been out for four weeks. 
And number. If we see if we see a sequel of this, I will not be unhappy. I liked it. Oh, okay. good. I have a I have an opposing view for you. <laughs> number oh, one. Number one. Don't breathe. Twenty six point one million dollars opening weekend. Nine point nine million dollar budget. Yeah, they made their money back. I don't even. I haven't even heard about that one. It, it's a horror. I, I've heard of it. It's a horror film, and I, I listened to another uh, another reviewer, and they said this is the film that you will want to go see, and then never ever want to see again. Mm. <laughs> it is that horrifying. They're saying it goes back. The premise to, is certainly interesting. Some people are saying it's going back to the the effects and the horror that people had with the original Blair Witch. Oh, oh God, I remember that one. Cool. So, yep. I, I will say one of them here, I'm, well, I'm looking at the, number six, by the way, was Pete's Dragon, which I happened to go see. $7.2 million, $54 million domestic, $65 million budget, three weeks out. I'm just curious to see what it's doing worldwide. Well, it's only worldwide brought in $76 million. So, good thing there won't be a sequel to this. Because it was never... It, it, it's a remake. I have had my fill of them, so... Yes. And here, here's, a, here's a movie... Uh, Kindar and I were trying to think of movies that we were going to talk about since the last time we've talked. And Kinder, I don't know if you went to see this movie or not. I did. We haven't had a chance to talk about it on the air. Number 19. 19 is Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. No, I have not seen it. Almost $600,000 this week, seven weeks out. $124.9 million domestic, $144 million for the budget worldwide. Two seventeen. But they are... They are saying this is one of the flops of the year. And I agree with them. I mean, personally, I need to think, considering how hated the movie is, I'm thinking the gross is actually impressive. Well, yeah, I mean, the gross is because people went to see it to see if it was going to live up to the hype. And, and also because they made it like a feminist issue. So all the feminists are like, we have to go see it and we're going to love it because it's all women and women rule and people were down on it for that. Eh. And then they went and saw it and they found out that despite being feminist, it sucked. I mean, I don't get why it had to be. It's like why it couldn't be without completely being separated from the originals. Why it had to be like a redo of it? Why couldn't it just be a continuation of the story of Ghostbusters? And now here's a new generation. It seems like that's not what it is. Yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, from... Go ahead. I was going to say it is a complete reboot because them getting Ecto-1, it was just a simple hearse, uh, seeing the firehouse which they didn't use until the very last scene. And I'm sorry, guys, if I'm giving spoilers away, but it's been out for seven weeks, and I'm going to tell yeah. you, save your money anyways. Um, it's Ghostbusters. Who yeah. cares? I'll probably redbox it, like I redboxed uh, Superman versus Batman 
whatever that was. I just well, read box that one. I will use I would use the Squid Lord's favorite line. This movie was not is not even worth stealing. Oh, <laughs> I own none. Rental. <laughs> I own none of the Ghostbusters. Me, it's not about this movie. It's about the franchise. I saw the original. They were fun movies, but not enough that I want to own them. No, I no. I mean, I have like fond childhood memories of them. You well, because we watched them all the time when we were kids. I will say the only good thing about this movie was they had four of the original cast doing cameos. Sigourney Weaver did. Uh, Dan Aykroyd. Though none of them were themselves. Themselves. They're, they're characters. They're characters. Though I will say Dan Aykroyd no longer exists. Dan Aykroyd is the only one who actually used the line from the original Ghostbusters. And he's talking to some. He's talking to one of the Ghostbusters, and they're talking about how all the ghosts are out and attacking New York. And he says he's a taxi driver, and he says, "I ain't afraid of no ghost." <laughs> and the one that had the most screen time was was uh, Bill Murray, and he was actually on for about ten minutes. They got Murray to agree. Okay. I'm just reading to see what uh, Apocalyptic Rex has said. I'm planning on seeing Civil War and Independence Day at the Ghetto Plex this week. I might watch Ghostbusters on Netflix. Uh, I wouldn't even watch it on Netflix, to be honest. So I, I will say that uh, Chris Hemsworth, he showed how stupid he can play as an actor. His his character. An actor. <laughs> well, well, I mean, his character was supposed to be. I I've seen rocks with more intelligence than his act than his character, and Chris played stupid really well. So I just don't feel like playing stupid is that hard. And I have done actually a lot of acting, so <laughs> I don't think that's a very hard character to pull off. Well, I don't know. It's it's a shame that we don't have one of our former callers calling in. We could have asked him if playing <laughs> was that hard. But <clears throat> huh. I don't think he was playing. And I will say, uh, Eddie Hudson, who who also had his cameo, his was the one best used. Now, Bill Murray was the one most used, but his actually fit the best at the end. Mm. And he played, uh, I don't know her name, the black girl, Jones. I don't know her first name. He played Jones's uncle, who... I think it's Leslie. I'm sorry, what? Le- Leslie Jones, that's right. Leslie yep. Jones, yeah. But he plays her character's uncle, who owns a funeral parlor, and loans them a hearse to use, just to get around. And then they convert it into Ecto-1. And he's he's upset at the end when he finally see him, he pops in coming. What did you do to my car? I just loaned that to you. So, <laughs> but it was a good little connecting piece. But on a scale of one to ten, I I give Ghostbusters a four, and that's only because of really Chris Hemsworth, in my opinion. Oh. I normally I normally like Kristen Wiig, but. Not in this film, so. 
Now, since I'm sure none of you have seen the mechanic this week, other than me, I will talk about that quickly. And scale of 1 to 10, I get the mechanic, and I only vaguely remember the plot line of the first one. I give yeah, the mechanic. I'm sorry, what? I, 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 I barely remember the first one either. Well, I remember Ben Foster was in it playing his his sidekick uh, student. Hmm. And stuff like that. But uh, in this one, Arthur Bishop is hiding out since he supposedly was killed in the last one, though he got away. And he gets pulled back into the action. And his girlfriend, Jessica Alba, is kidnapped. And he's told that he has to do three assassinations to get her back. So, other than Jason Statham being Jason Statham with his action scenes, that that was the best parts of the film, of course. Always. Uh, Other than that, it was badly directed, badly acted. Uh, The best actor in the film is Tommy Lee Jones. Because, I mean, what doesn't Tommy Lee Jones do well, right? Mm-hmm. He's good in pretty much everything. Uh, the best assassination scene, and I heard someone talking about it yesterday, and I agreed with them. If you've seen the trailers with the scene with the swimming pool up on the skyscraper, yeah, that's the second assassination and if you've watched the trailers, pretty much you've seen the entire action of that scene. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, the mechanic, his main thing is he has to make all these assassinations look like accidents. So, but I, I give it six out of ten. Just for our, our man, Jason Statham. <laughs> so, now let's ask... There's two movies that Kindar said he would discuss with me, and maybe Scottish Pearl might too. This next one is one that celebrates 50 years of a franchise. Star Trek Beyond. Did you see that, Pearl? I did not yet. I don't know. Do you want to be spoiled a little bit? I'm okay with spoils on Star Trek, yeah. All right. Well, it does take place during three years into... It has a lot of Easter eggs, first of all. But it takes place three years into the five-year mission that we last see them left on. And and that's one of the Easter eggs there because, of course, the original series only went three seasons. Mm-hmm. The star date that Kirk reads off in the beginning of the film is actually the date of the final episode of the original series. So that was a neat little thing there if you knew what to look for. But it takes place on a planet. The Enterprise is destroyed by an enemy force. And pretty much people knew that by, by watching the, uh, the trailer. We saw the Enterprise really being torn apart some. And uh, then it's pretty much a, a, a planet-bound movie for the most part. The neat thing is that they, they actually do, instead of just being one crew all together, they put the different people with different combinations. Like, who would you expect Kirk to be with in normally a group setting? 
or a small group setting? Well, uh, if we're in Spock or McCoy normally. Spock or McCoy. I'm just I'm reading what Scott what uh, Apocalypse said, and he said that Beyond was much better than the second film in the darkness, but that's not saying much. And yes, I, I do think this was probably the best of the uh, the films. But it was it was Kirk and Chekhov teamed up, and it was Scotty and Uhura teamed up. And then finally we got to see a team up in the banter of Spock and McCoy. And uh, Sula, was, was Sula was in there with Uhura as well. So it was a Different team-ups. Now, the one nice thing about it is Anton Yelchin, who plays Chekhov, he got a whole lot more screen time and actually had some good parts in here, which which is sad because, as a lot of people know, the actor died back in June when his Jeep slipped out of transmission and crushed him along a wall at his house. That's awful. Yeah. So they are saying, by the way, that they will not recast Chekhov for any more Star Trek films. Which I think is a bad choice since he's a kind of essential character. Well, but whatever. What they hinted at is that they might do CGI. And I don't know if I would like oh, that idea or not. Well, I, I, they're going to have to be really good Yeah, if they're going to do that. I find that creepy and gross. They did that with the Crow movies, and that was just creepy and gross. Yeah, that's why... And and the thing is, personally, I would prefer that they basically say that Chekhov died. You know, that they they have a funeral for the character, and that they move on. Yes, in the original timeline, he lived to a ripe old age of I don't know how, how old... But this is a different timeline. Things happened differently, and one of and, and one of the way that they could solidly mark it is with Chekhov's dead death. Well, you know, and first of all, Rex says if there is any more Star Trek films, uh, there well, will. It, it has two hundred fifty million dollars worldwide, so it's already reached reached its budget. When the DVDs come out, it'll increase to it. So yeah, they will. And they've already announced Star Trek Four, where they have said in Star Trek Four. Chris Hemsworth, who played George Kirk, Kirk's father in the first of the new ones, is coming back, and Kirk will meet his father. So we might be looking at a time travel movie, and if so, maybe they could do something where they accidentally erase Chekhov from history. Yeah, that's another thing they could do. Or, actually, if they're going to try, okay, if they want to keep well, no, they said they weren't recasting him, so I'm not going to go there. Well, the logical thing is, just like in Star Trek II, Chekhov was assigned as the first officer of of the Reliant in Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. So, I mean, yeah. you, you send him to a different ship. That's all. Yeah, you, that works. You, you say he's been offered the spot of... Uh, assistant chief engineer of the USS Hamilton, and there is there he is off the, off the movie. Yep. But they did have a major Easter egg, which was a big plot thing at the end of the film, 
and they introduced the USS Franklin. And in this in this movie, the USS Franklin is the very first warp 4.5 ship. And Kindar, did you catch all the little references in the dialogue they had there? Oh Re- no, references. No, I, I... <laughs> no? I, I'm very bad at catching Easter eggs and stuff like Me that. Me too. I never get to Easter eggs. Well. The Franklin looked very much like the NX-01 Enterprise from Star Trek Enterprise, which, which is the very first Warp 5 starship. And the bad guy played by, uh, I mean, I've always mangled his name, so bad guy. Hydro, uh, Hydro or something like that? Irby. Erdis Irby or whatever, Hemdall from from the Thor movies, Heimdall. Thank you, and that just got a little a little bit garbly. I don't know if I'm garbly, but uh, but he he's the villain, and it turns out that he is the captain of the Franklin, and when he's crashed on this planet, the planet's energy and him becoming a vampire pretty much keeps him alive. And he's been alive for 200 years that the ship has been missing. But he makes reference saying that he fought in the Zindi Wars and in the Romulan War. Well, the Zindi War was the third season story arc for the entire third season of Star Trek Enterprise. So, some people are thinking maybe he also said he was a Mako, which was, if you watched Enterprise, that was the Marines that they brought on the ship for the third and fourth season. Mm-hmm. And some people are thinking maybe he actually fought alongside Jonathan Archer, Scott Bakula. So. Possibly. At this point, I my thought is, what does it matter? Now, Kinder, what did you think of the scale of one to ten? What did you think of Star Trek? Ah, okay. Um, I have to give it a seven because this movie was predictable as heck. Yeah. I, mean, I the moment the the moment the Franklin the, the Franklin is introduced, I knew who the bad guy was. Agreed. I mean, the, the, you know, I oh, oh, okay. So it's not just me. I mean, I thought for for while I was watching, I thought it was because I, I write so much that it was, I just knew the, the the formulas too well. Hmm. Um, some of the fight scenes were way too dark. I had I had a very hard time making out what was going on. If it was on purpose, good for them. It made them not exactly enjoyable. Um. You know, I enjoyed it overall, but you know, like I, you know, I give it a seven. Okay, I give it an eight. Uh, it's being the best of the Star Trek films of the the new batch. Uh, if, Rex, I, Rex, if, if I remember correctly, I gave a better, a higher rating for uh, Beyond. Well, this is Beyond. Uh, sorry, uh, Into Darkness. Okay. Uh, Rex says it was never explained how the human bad guy 
had a weird reptilian appearance. And Rex. Uh, the, you know, yes, it is explained. Uh, it he, is explained. Him, him being the vampire and sucking the the life force from everyone and interacting with the nebula and stuff like that is what caused it. No, it's not. They found a machine on the planet. They do explain that, that they found a machine and that the machine allows him to drain the life of other people. And while they don't say the rest, they show that when he drains the life of somebody, he takes on some of their physical characteristics. Well, so... But but they had also mentioned at the time that the machine, yes, which was the MacGuffin of the of the movie. But it was also the, the vampire part of it. The uh, the reptilian appearance came. They they pretty much alluded to that if the machine happened out, just say on Earth, it would have just sucked all the energy from people, and the people would have died, shriveled up. But the nebula is what gave the. The effects of the nebula also affected the reptilian appearance, is what I got out of it okay. from, from the machine. I, yeah, that, I may have missed that. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm just saying that I agree with you that they, they actually explain that part. Well, because if you remember at the end, once they went to the Yorktown, the, the uh, starbase, he started to revert slowly back to human appearance. Uh, uh, okay, my my take on that was that we see him start draining humans, and as he's draining them, he is starting to change as he is draining them. Right, but he had a whole he had a whole ship full of humans when he first crashed. Yep. So he should have kept his human appearance. Yeah, but that was two hundred years ago. So he went through them, and uh, the other ships were different species. Again, this is my take on it. We may both be wrong. It may be, you know, the, the writers may have intended something completely different. You know, th this is just how I took what I saw and what they said. Well, here's the overall thing. We just need to get Simon Pegg, who plays Scotty, to come onto this show because he actually was one of the writers of this movie. He co-wrote the movie. Mm. So, so we need to get Simon Pegg. Come on the show. We need Scotty on here, and he can well, explain it all. Of the, of the lot of us, you're the famous one, so you'll have to contact him and uh, and convince him. Well, we'll let Squidlord do all that. Yeah, I I, I know. I, I don't know if that's a good idea. I mean, I mean, <laughs> uh, Squidlord trying to convince. I mean, yes, Simon would show up, but having him tied up in chain may not be a good idea. No, Squidward actually used to get a lot of celebrities and musical groups and everything on his show when he had it on Talk Show. He actually did interviews and such. So he he can be restrained. Now, a couple of things I did like, and one thing I did not like, they did have some some homages to Leonard Nimoy. They addressed the fact that Spock Prime, which is what they call Leonard Nimoy Spock in this movie series, has passed away. Yep, and at the end, young Spock had received a package from Vulcans that old Spock had left him. And when he looked at it, it was actually a picture of the entire crew from Star Trek V. So we actually got to see Shatner and Scotty and all the crew from the original timeline. Yep. So that was a neat little touch. Now. Yep. 
I talked with Jeff Franklin, fellow talk show host, the seventh doctor. He's been on this call before. And I told him I was upset with the ending. And at the end, everyone who knows Star Trek knows that we're getting a new Enterprise. Well, yeah, of course. And it's going to have the A on it. Did you, Tindar, how did you feel about the appearance of the new ship? The reason I, I asked that is I've gotten to the point after watching like Next Generation, every time we see a new Enterprise comes out, it's a different design ship. The D is, becomes the E, etc. Yeah. Now, yes, in Star Trek 3 and 4, the original Enterprise, the refit, Kirk blew it up. And the next Enterprise we see is A, and it's the identical ship. The same mm -hmm. model. But I was hoping for maybe a little better design. And I've seen pictures where, yes, there are some slight designs out there. Different, if you look at, which they didn't show on the screen that well, if you look at the guy who actually designed this new Enterprise, it is slightly different. But what did you think about the new Enterprise A? I don't care enough. I mean, I like Star Trek, but when it comes to the ship, I'm on it. I, I, I don't care. For me, the show is not about the ship. They could be in a tub for all I care, as long as the characters are interesting, as long as, as the action is interesting. The ship, honestly, it's a set, and I, you know how they dressed it doesn't matter to me. What do you mean that the ship is on its own? I mean, the ship is Star Trek. Forget the crew. You see, that for me, it's never been that. For me, the ship has never had any kind of personality. For me, the ship has always been this box in which they travel. It's been the MacGuffin that lets them go from point A to point B. It's, the ship is, you know, like I said, it could have been anything I would not have cared. I'm trying to see if I sent Jeff a link to this page. I can't find it now. And apparently I didn't. Shame on me. So I can't... Uh, I can't show you some different shots of the new Enterprise. But, yeah, I, I was a little bit disappointed. I was hoping maybe just a completely different design. So... And uh, Rex says that the... Uh, first of all, Shantner finally made it into the reboot. Yes, he did. <laughs> and the disposable enterprises are just way too common in Star Trek movies. Yeah. Well, but, yeah, had, because they've got a bigger budget, they don't they don't have to carry it over from week to week, so they don't have to care if it blows up. We we had to expect that it would be the enterprise would be destroyed in this third movie because look at the history of these reboots. Mm. We see the introduction of the new enterprise in Star Trek in 2009. In 2012, we see Khan return, right? Just like in the in the original movie line, it was the second movie that was Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. In the original storyline, Star Trek Three, Kirk self-destructs the Enterprise. And in this third movie, the Enterprise is destroyed. Gee, do we see a, a pattern here? Mm -hmm. The next movie, 
who knows? It might be a time-traveling movie, and maybe Kirk has to go back and save his father and have his father help him retrieve some whales. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't mind a time travel so long as there's no whales in it. Yeah. I liked that storyline when I was a kid, but it doesn't hold up when you're an adult. Well, I mean, I still like it now, keeping in mind when it was made, what right. the, the, the the social atmosphere was mm-hmm. then. For a movie made today, ah, no. No. It would be fun to see him go back. It would be fun to see him go back um, and have him be in like okay. where he grew up. I I like because I I live not too far from Riverside, Iowa, where Kirk will be born. So well, you know, I'm I'm thinking of a storyline. Kirk has to go back and get his father and take him further back in time, and take him back to 2012, and stop a certain Secretary of State from using a private server. And that's the point that really diverges all of history. Yeah, no. no. Okay, here's what I want them to do. Considering the time travel has always been about going in the past with Star Trek, I want them to flip it on its head and have Kirk's father show up in their present. Mm. Because cause the thing, you know, time travel has always been, you know, let's go to the past. You know, let's end up in whatever year the movie was made. And I'm tired of that. I mean, it's a cliche at this point. And I'm thinking what would be better is for something to have happened in Senior Kirk's past before he, be- he, he went, he became the captain of the, of the ship. Well, not the captain, but he, he got assigned there. And he was sent to the future. So... And that would be the part, the, the problem of the show, where his him being here is undoing stuff. You know, that's what I would like to see. Now, Rex says when Enterprise Z is destroyed, Captain Kirk will have to travel back in time. No, yeah. no, no. Okay. When it comes to Z, when, when it comes to the Z, Captain Kirk's gonna die with the ship. I'm sorry, he's a good captain. It's gonna, there's never gonna be another Enterprise, so he's gonna have to stay on the ship and die with it. No, no, because then they'll just go back to the beginning and start double A. So eventually, they're gonna be doing triple A, and then okay, eventually, 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 like in year one million, we'll have Enterprise XXX. Okay, for one thing, for one thing, we cannot have Enterprise Double A. Kirk drinks. He cannot be on an alcoholic anonymous Enterprise. I'm sorry, can't happen. Well, I'm and, just, I'm just and, waiting for Enterprise XXX. That's all. There's going to be a reboot before that. You know it. <laughs> okay. So what what did you give the movie? You gave it a six? I gave it a seven. A seven. And I gave it an eight. And Scottish Pearl gave it a zero because I haven't seen it yet. That's right. <laughs> and Rex says, destroying Vulcan in the first film was redunculous. That's right, it was. Um, I'm going to disagree, but... Uh... Well, there was so much. I mean, but yet... Here they, they destroy it with a black hole inside the planet. But yet Spock is on a planet right next door, close enough that he could see Vulcan being destroyed, and it didn't affect his planet. 
nah. <laughs> On that level, it's Star Trek. Who says anything makes sense? I mean, remember, this is the show that uh, pioneered making up science to explain what's going on. So... Now, I will say the most useful character in this movie was Deep Roy, again. It just shows that Deep Roy needs to be in everything. If, you're, if you don't remember who Deep Roy is, he's the little midget alien. Oh, him, yeah. Yes. He was, was the most... Useful? Yes. Oh, yes, yes, the, uh, the acid stuff. The acid sneeze. Acid snot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No comment. Well, it's funny because, I mean, really, he, you can tell he's smarter than, than Scotty, but Scotty gets all the credit. So, well, before we go to our last movie, I'm going to jump into a video game to talk about. One that uh, I do know Kindar has not played. Scottish Pro probably hasn't played either. But I don't think you play a lot of games anymore, do you, Pearl? Oh, uh. No, there's not much time for gaming. Maybe Rex might have played it, but I have been playing, and Squid has been playing as well, No Man's Sky. And if you have seen anything about this, the, the game is it's a procedurally generated space exploration game. And I was listening to a podcast today, someone talking about it, and... It pointed something out in the podcast which I really didn't understand at the time until now. But the concept of this game is that you're in a universe. There are 18 quadrillion planets. The creator of the game, Sean Murray, has said that if you were to go take the rest of your life, no breaks, no sleep, no nothing, and for the rest of your life, spend 30 seconds on each planet, it would take you five billion years to explore all the planets. That's how many planets there are in this game. And I was listening to a podcast today and someone was complaining about they were on this planet, they located some great resources, they logged off, they came back on, they were still on the same planet, but everything had moved and everything was different. And apparently, every time you log into the game, it regenerates the universe. Oh, joy. That's nice. It is a procedurally generated universal. Everything's different all the time. But I didn't realize that they actually redid planets that you were on at the time. Now, I haven't come across an issue with that at all. So... My interest is going down, so... Well, and that's the problem. It's a $60 game, and everything that they had promised ahead of time, that there would be huge space battles, that you would have to fight for your life. Uh, It would be a dangerous game. That (laughs) the, the planets... The planets would have different variating physics to it. Like Mars has lighter gravity than Earth does. But all the planets, same gravity, 
they have different temperatures. Some might be hot, some might be frigid, stuff like that. So far, I haven't found any planet that I, I can survive on without a spacesuit. But all it is is you going and you analyzing, scanning different creatures and fauna and stuff like that, uploading it for money, going off to the space station, collecting resources, crafting your pieces. And I've mentioned in the past, I like games where I can sit there and listen to the TV in the background and just turn my mind off when I'm playing. And I mean, that's a great game for, the, for me here. I mean, I've played 57 hours so far of the game. And I've explored maybe 24, 24 planets. Squidlord has 42 hours into it. But if you're looking for a lot of action and stuff like that, you're not going to find it as it is right now. I can see myself getting bored really quick. Well, here's the thing. And I just found this out today that both uh, Sony with the PS4 and Steam are offering no ask no question refunds. People that have played it for 50, 60 hours are getting a full refund on it. Kind of like kind of like with the Steam version of Batman Arkham Knight. No, it's good of it's good of them because the the what I hear of the that that game and what you're saying, that's gonna be you know, if they don't do something like that, that's gonna be a lot of bad um a bad press, but um Well if they if they lower the price that'll help. They said it'll be a better game if they had lowered the price. Now they are promising free updates and maybe they might make changes to the game. Maybe they might make uh Make it person versus player versus player eventually. Or at this at this point, is the game being released as an alpha? Nope. Or a full release? A full release. Okay. No. 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 That does not sound like a full release. A full release should be should have everything that was promised in it. Well, the problem is that this the gaming company which is a bunch of, uh, I think, just newbies out there producing the game. I think this is their first game, or fairly new into it. It's a British Hello Games Limited, a British uh, de- game developers. We don't know. They've done, they've done five games. But the first yeah. four games are all a franchise. Joe Danger. Never heard of it. I'm reading it as a side-scrolling video game with racing and platform games. Uh, And then the other games... Go ahead. Well, the thing is, that it be their first game or not, that is completely irrelevant. Releasing it as a full release is bad marketing because it is not there. If they had, you know, even at 60 bucks, if they had reset, this is the alpha... You pay $60, and, you know, as the game progresses, you'll keep getting the progress, and when the game full release, you'll, you'll have already the game. The price would be steep, but I would accept that they could do that. It's just the fact that they went, this is a full release, and then what I'm hearing is that there's nothing of what they promised in it. Well, there's some. You know, there's actually, well, I, I, looked at a, I looked at a Reddit 
list on what they promised and what's in it, what's not. And about 25% of what they promised is actually in it. Yeah, well, that's not a full release. No. no. But I mean, I mean, I mean, that's a that's a that's a very low level alpha. That's you know, that's the first version of the game that's out. That's that's an alpha zero one. You know, I mean, a indirect comparison. RimWorld is fully playable, and it's still in alpha. Well, it's alpha seventeen now. So uh, sorry, I mean, fifteen. Arc Survival Evolved is still in alpha. And they're bringing out yeah. new stuff all the time. Well, and, and that's the difference. You know, those are, 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 are in alpha, and they're still very well playable. What I hear about uh, No Man's Sky is that it should be in alpha. It should not be a full release yet. Well, I, I do agree with you, actually, that it should be in alpha. Now, I mean, I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to get a refund. I'm going to go with it and see what they do. If they bring out more stuff and stuff like that, uh, he said Murray has said the potential of extending the game through downloadable content would probably be added features rather than new content because of the procedurally generated systems. But I mean, and there's also modding tools out there where people can can mod the game. People have been doing that, so. And I have no problem okay. with modding games. I have no problem with it, but when a uh, game maker starts relying on people modding the game to make it playable, uh, mm. that, 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 that's a bad company. That's, you know. That's a, that's a problem. And I was hoping Squidlord would come on so he'd be able to talk his, about what he's doing with the game as well. I mean, he's playing it. He's he's put forty two hours into it, so you know it has to have something there to keep him involved. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't mean that the game is not entertaining and stuff like that. I'm I'm just saying that they should be saying what it is instead of of making believe it's something else. Now, one of my major sticking points with the game is this. Now you can you can get new ships, and you can get them one of two ways. You you start with your first ship. You're on a crash planet, and you're next to a ship, and you have to find parts to repair it. But then you can you can upgrade, and on the ships, the inventory boxes you start like with twelve inventory slots. Maximum is forty eight. When you get a new ship, you have a chance of getting more slots. You can either go and buy them from traders on the space stations for millions of dollars, or you can <laughs> discover crash ships on a planet, which normally 90% of the time will have one or two more slots than your current ship. And you can decide if I want to go through and repair this new ship and keep it and stuff like that. Uh, same thing with your suit. You have certain number of inventory slots. You start off with 12. You can go up to 48, which I pretty much maxed out now, my environmental suit. And with your multi-tool, which gives you 24 slots total. So they need to work on their inventory a little bit. Because one of the problems is you can you get blueprints for different upgrades to the weapons, like on your ship or parts or whatever. But they take up a slot. 
in your inventory. So say I have 20 upgrades on my ship and there's only 48 slots. I've only got 28 slots for inventory now. Okay, okay. You're not talking about just storing the blueprint. You're, you're, you're talking about installing the upgrade on the ship takes a storage slot? Yep. Takes an inventory slot. That makes no sense. Which, which is why we're saying they need to work and fix the inventory issue. Which is why the game should still be an alpha. Uh, one of the neat things is like on different planets you find and the plants and the creatures on them, you can rename them anything you want. And then upload it for... Now say I, I name it, I always joke with, with Squidward, I was going to name my, my very first planet T-M-O. Yeah. And that's going to spell it out. <laughs> and if I upload that to the server and Kindar say you decide to pick up the game and buy it, there could be a chance that you could find Planet TMO. Now, you wouldn't <laughs> see me on it. And you and I could actually be on the planet at the same time. We just couldn't see each other. Because it's a single player game even though you and I might be on TMO at the same time. Yeah. Alternate dimensions. But, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Now, like I said, you could name, rename planets. You can rename fauna. You could rename plants, animals, whatever, right? You can't rename your ship. What? Yep. And... There's no customization to your ship other than what upgrades you put into it. Right now, I have okay, I, I have an ugly puke pink ship, and I can't okay, change that I color. I will say, I will say what some what somebody told me when when he, when he was talking about that game, and he and he basically went, you know, might as well play Space Engineer. It's a better version of that game. Yeah, and I haven't played Space Engineer for over a year, so I need to get back into that. I mean, I don't... Yeah, because they've got planets now. Now they've got planets. I don't hate this game. But, I mean, it's not the greatest game. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick it out and see what updates they might do in the future. So, I give the game... I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Because I do see potential if they... They listen to the fans, and they can be simple little things that can that can change it. Last but not least, before we get in, go off the air here, is a movie that that both uh, Kindar and I have seen. I don't know if Scottish Pearl has Suicide Squad, the the most recent film from the DC extended universe, and hopefully, well. I think this is the last before the change at the at the at the helm of the DC verse. Well, if no, I remember correctly, Zack Snyder is still still directing uh, Justice League. Yeah, but didn't they bring um, some guy uh, Jeff Loeb, I think, from DC to helm everything? Yeah, the, the guy's there, but this guy is now at the head, and he, he knows DC. And this is what they said, that he promises that things are going to be better. 
But I think this is, I think Suicide Squad is the last movie before he came in. Or is that, or is that Wonder Woman? I'm not, I'm not sure, to be honest. Uh, in fact, I am trying to, I can never get the guy's name right. Jeff is, is part of his name. I, I can never get his name right, to be honest. Because he was the writer of Green Lantern. The actual comic series. Jeff Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns has taken over. Jeff Johns. And he's taken over everything for the DC Cinematic Universe. So... I, I'm just wondering when he start. What when he starts? Like, which movie is his first? That's what I'm wondering. Well, I believe someone told told me that he had some uh, some creative changes being done for Justice League. Okay, and that it's becoming a little bit more lighthearted instead of always the dark, dark. Well, the previews that I've seen certainly lead give credence to that. Yeah. And I heard over the weekend that it's only a rumor that they will be uh, bringing Green Lantern into the Justice League movie as well. And and John's has pretty much been the one to say you have to do this because Green Lantern was one of the founders of the of the Justice League. Yeah. I I won't comment since Cyborg was not. Well, Cyborg was a founder in the 52 version of the Justice League, but Green Lantern, once again, was one of the founders as well. Green Lantern's always been one of the original seven. I know. We just have to remember, this is a different universe. The rules don't have to be the same. I'm not saying they they should not do it. I'm just... You know how I feel about bringing a bunch of characters in a movie. DC has had a... uh, a scary track record with it. So. But Suicide Squad. Kinder, what did you think? I enjoyed the movie. Um, high point for me were Arlequin and uh, Deadshot, which is what was intended the way the movie was made. But I liked the dialogue. I liked the action. I liked the character, the, inter-char- the character interplay. Um, I've got to say, I liked the actress that they've got as Amanda Waller. I didn't think I would like her because she physically, she doesn't look like Amanda Waller should, but personal wise, they, they really had her play well. I really like how much of a, you know, let, let, let's censor this. She was because I would not want her at my dinner party. I did not care for the Joker. Uh, Thank you. Frankly, frankly, uh, the mobster Joker has never been a Joker I care for, and this is definitely what this Joker is. Um, I, I enjoyed some of the scenes he was in. He was in, uh, but as as a overall character as the Joker, no. Um, I much prefer the the type of Joker reminiscent of the anarchist that uh, was in the 
don't remember the name of the actor, um, Heath Ledger. That, 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 that he's, I much prefer the, the total anarchist type of Joker. I, I hated the Joker, but then again, I expressed that when we first saw pictures of him. Uh, so, I mean, I had no desire to have anything to do with this Joker, to be honest. Jarrett Leto. Mm-hmm. The Joker, I mean, shouldn't be tattooed like crazy like that. Um, I do agree with you. Deadshot and Harlequin were the two best things in the film. But I I didn't care for the film at all. I enjoyed it, but you know, you know that I'm easily entertained. It doesn't take much for me to like a movie and and I don't usually let the stuff that I don't like bring the entire movie down. You know, I think in my entire history of movie watching there's only one movie that I can say I didn't like. Um so, you know, and I've seen a lot of movies. Well, I, I've seen a lot of bad movies. It's just, I'm easy to entertain. You know, I'm, I'm a movie maker's dream because it doesn't take much for me to go see a movie. Well, you know, fans were upset about something with Joker. And I don't know if you noticed it. Other than a little giggle here or there, you never really heard the Joker, Joker laugh, especially his, his oh. trademark laugh. Oh... That does not work. No. He was well, he was okay. never he was never the Joker as we know him. He, Considering he, he, was a, he was a godfather, is what he was. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, he's a mobster. That that's what he is. Um, but for the the, the 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 little bit that he's in the movie, I actually don't mind that we don't hear him laugh. Now, if if he shows up in the in the Batman movie and he does not have a really good maniacal laughter, nah, then I am going to have objections. I don't know if he's going to show up because there's been rumors that Jeff Le- or Jared Leto was so upset with how they deleted most of his scenes that he told him "f you" to DC. Well, I mean, but for the, I mean, I mean, I will not mourn the loss. Is all I've got to say. Um, I mean, I, I don't mind him as a Joker. I mean, it's a decision that DC has made. They wanted him, and they wanted this kind of Joker, and that's fine. I would have been okay with it. You know, if he wants out, it gives the, the DC a chance to give bring us a better Joker. Hopefully, one without a grill. And all the tattoos and all that. Okay, I will say one thing. I didn't care about those the, the tattoos. I didn't care. I I did love the laughing mouth he's got tattooed on his hand when he used it to give somebody else a smile because that really was creepy, and I liked that part of it. Okay. Uh, what did you think about the scenes that Batman was in and how they used him? Um, it was okay. I mean, I was, you know, he made sense for who he went against. He went, he went up against the Joker and Arlequin when she got captured. He went up against Deadshot, and those are two, you know, 
villains with a, a history with Batman. So it made sense. I was not any more impressed. Like, I didn't think he made the movie better. Um, I just thought he fit the role that, that he had to play for the movie to happen. Yeah, I, I agree. And I also agree with a lot of the fans what they're talking about. There was a scene with him in Deadshot. And with Deadshot's daughter. And that's something that classic Batman would never do. And this small little spoiler, he confronts Deadshot when Deadshot's talking to his daughter in a in an alleyway. Mm. The true Batman would wait until the kid's gone, so when he comes down and pounces on Deadshot, the kid's not yeah, watching doubt, Batman beat up they, his her father. <laughs> if they do that, they can't have the daughter tell tell Deadshot not to shoot him, you know, which is a bonding experience which shows the relationship that he's got with his daughter, which is an important point in the story. So I understand why they made the decision to have it happen like that. But at the same time, they are taking critical aspects of a well-established character and and throwing it away in this universe. Yeah, but this takes place at a time when Batman kills. So they're not, you know, we've we've already had that happen in in, in the Batman versus Superman, and this takes yeah. place somewhere around there. So yeah. as long as this is before Justice League, where, from what I understand, this is where he's going to change that the event of Batman versus Superman have effect. As long as this is happening before, and nobody has said when. Uh, Suicide Squad happens in the timeline. As long as they make sure that it happens before... Ah, okay. No, it can't. Okay, I'm sorry. I've just been... Uh, because they say that it happens after Batman versus Superman. So... Okay, they could well, okay, first of, first get of away all, with it. You haven't heard the news about the the ultra-ultra ultimate edition of Batman versus Superman that's coming out then, have you? Oh, there's another edition that's coming out? Y- yes, they're going to be adding another little post-credit scene where Superman really comes up and he kisses the camera, dead, Deadpool style, breaking the fourth wall. And he, okay, he, never, okay, yeah, he, uses, he uses the famed Superman, I'm erasing your memory kiss from Superman 2 and erase that movie from all of our, our minds. No, 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 no. Superman, Batman vs. Superman was not that bad of a movie. I really enjoyed it. So did I. It, I mean, it sets the, the stage for DC to make a lot of changes to their character if they're smart about it. And from what I read, it sounds like they're going to do it. Because, you know, because Superman's going to come back. He's going to have a different attitude in life. And the reason is going to be he died. Batman is going to change how he does things because the way he used to do things led to back to Superman dying. I, all those changes, they're, they're fit, and they need this movie to happen. I, I don't want anybody to erase this movie from the timeline. I don't no. mind that people don't like it, but this movie is being used to bring in change, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. All I'm saying is that 
for the event of Deadpool's capture to make to work, the capture needs to happen before Batman versus Superman. If it ha- if it, if, they, if they establish at some point, or if they leave it nebulous, if they never say when it happened, I can I can think that it happened before because then Batman's behavior makes. It's not okay. It won't, I'm not going to say it makes sense, but it's acceptable because we've been shown that before Batman versus Superman, Batman is an asshole. He is he's not the kind of people. Oh, okay. So he's branding okay, people. Okay, Kendar, I'll, so I'll let you. He's off the rails. I'll let this you Batman have that. Is Batman, he's off the rails. He's he's jaded by everything. He's lost his way. He's. Burning his symbol into tea. I mean, this is not this is not Batman. This is Batman who needs help. Well, it's a broken yeah. Batman. Okay, will you, yeah. will you let me have this then? Okay. Come back. Will you let me have Superman appear at the end of the Ultimate Ultimate Edition? Give us just a little peck on the forehead, so that we can all forget Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor at least. Just give me that much at least. Okay. I yes. him. I was fine with him. Okay, I I'm not okay. I am not. I don't care that it was the look. I was okay with it. It's the personality. I am sorry. Lex Luthor is not a maniac. Well, no, he is, but he is very self-controlled. Literally, none of the scene with the Lex Luthor we've got in the movie is Lex Luthor. It's exactly. somebody else. I. Yeah, no, no. I will give you that. If if we can have another Lex Luthor in ever, I will be happy. I did not like this Lex Luthor because Lex Luthor is composed. He is serious. He knows what he's doing, and even once he's caught, he's got twelve plans to spin it. I mean, let, let's just let's do it properly and just bring back Michael Rosenbaum, who played Lex Luthor in Smallville. That's one of the best Lex Luthers we've seen. Uh, just br- uh, bring well, it back. Yeah, but the, uh, okay, yes, he's the best Lex Luthor we've seen. But we've got to realize that when it comes to live action, uh, th- there's not been many good Lex Luthers. So yeah, it's him, and everybody else has been pretty damn bad. It would it would have been better just to see in a cartoon Lex Luthor up on the screen and have Clancy Brown voice him like he does in the animated series. But I could have gone for that for this movie. <laughs> I like Lex Luthor. I thought it was fine. I thought it was like he was kind of reaching a breaking point too. I mean, everybody has a point where they kind of lose their composure, and he was kind of in that place where, you know. He's the kind problem of I have, a little bit loose with things. The problem I have is that Eisenberg doesn't reach that point in the movie. He starts and he's already he has no composure. Yeah, we that's because we didn't see whatever it was that drove him to that point. But that's the that's, that, that's the thing. To say. No, I, I I agree with you that we don't. The problem is that for for DC to give us a person that's so different they need to explain it to us and they don't we have an explanation for batman you know in how he, deci- he decides to make changes by the end of the of the movie uh you know we we we've seen superman be the way he is because of the previous movie but with eisenberg we just have this crazy guy right there with no 
since they don't explain it, they're telling us this is how he is normally, and it doesn't work. Somebody somewhere. Well, no, actually, he says that, you know, the lex of the company is his father, and I'm going, fine, leave this lex in the prison and bring the father in and give us a proper lex. Yeah, I agree. Well, we do need to close this out, but Suicide Squad, what, what do you give that? Scale of 1 to 10. I'm, gonna, I'm giving it an 8. I enjoyed the movie. It's another movie that I am giving a 6. I will give them that much. Um, Deadshot and Harlequin were the two best things in it. Other than that, didn't care for anything. I, I will say Killer Croc. It's the first time we've seen a live-action Killer Croc. And <laughs> they, they, did, they did pretty decent with him there. Yeah. Uh, I, I like overall. I liked all the all all the villain of Suicide Squad. I liked Captain Boomerang. I liked. I actually quite liked El Diablo. I liked what they did with him. Yeah, he was decent. I, but I I I like the sorceress for when she's part of the Suicide Squad in the very beginning of, of the movie, and after that, eh, I don't care for her all that much. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I liked all the. All the villains. Well, my thing is, I never cared for the Suicide Squad as a comic book to begin with, so. Oh, neither do I. I mean, you know, this is a movie I went in not giving a damn about anything. Now, they did have a nice little cameo in there, which I will not spoil for anyone. Uh, at the end of the movie? No. Or do you mean... A, do... In, in the beginning. Huh. Okay, I'm... It had to do with Captain Boomerang. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. This was nice. That was nice, yes. So, but I give it a 6 out of 10. So. Cool. And with that, it is time for us to close out. So, I want to thank everyone for joining us back again. And we will try to get more back on a regular schedule. I don't know if we'll try to do a show next week or not, since it's a holiday weekend, but maybe in September we'll uh, Labor Day Monday. Uh, you know me; I'm a truck driver. <laughs> I don't yep. keep track of holidays anymore. I'm always working them. So, but maybe we might start back up with a uh, bi-weekly schedule starting in September. Cool. And slowly work our way back. But Kindar and Scottish Pearl, thank you for calling in. Welcome, guest number six, and thank you for joining us. And Apocalyptic Rex, who was here, he had a drop-off. We thank him for his contributions as well. So, got some new movies. And once again, in October, our TV series are coming back, especially our our CW, which we'll have a lot to talk about. I have been watching Supergirl. And? I'm I'm giving her a good chance. I'm okay. You know, I... I ditched her before, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm on like episode 15 or something now, so I'm getting into it. I, I will say I'm very curious to see how they handle yes. the opening two-part episode on CW, which everyone knows if, you, if you're on the internet. We are finally actually going to have Clark Kent Superman appear mm-hmm. and actually be part of it. In a two-part episode, and not just his yeah. boots or his cape. 
or his shadowy figure or his text messages. I don't remember the name of the actor who's been cast for him. Uh, he, he's fairly common name out there for some people, but well, he was he was he was on Teen Wolf for two or three seasons. Um, yeah. One of he was one of the secondary leads. Um, and I, okay, I will say this: I've seen a couple of pictures, and I'm hoping the pictures were bad because I did not like him uh, in the suit. I'm really hoping it was the pictures that were bad. Oh, I haven't seen him in the suit. Let's look that up. Oh, let's see. I'm trying to uh, pull up pictures here. Tyler Hochlin is the name of the actor, or Hochlin. And here I'm going to drop this into the chat room here. Here's a chess shot of him with Supergirl in the suit for Scottish Pearl. I don't like how they do like her, the, her muscly arms in the suit. I'm like, you don't have to have muscles to be strong. Now, one I mean, of the things they do, how they are, you know. One of the things is he does not have the spit curl. And he's not wearing the underwear on the outside. He's doing the 52 version of the suit. Though his S does look a whole lot better than the movie version. The new movie version, in my opinion. If you scroll down Scottish Pearl, they have a full full body picture. Oh, that's okay. I missed the curl. Okay. Yeah, I gotta have the curl. I mean, baby Cal L in the opening scene for has a, the curl. Well, they actually, I think it was this week or so, they uh, they came out and they showed a picture of him running and ripping his shirt open, the classic Superman shirt rip. Now, I'm trying to find that picture. See if I can. I miss the red shorts on the outside, too. It, like, it like breaks up the blue nicely. Yes, but uh, once again, that's, that's due to the 52. Okay, here, oh. here we go. And I mean, this looks, this looks decent, what they're doing here with this shot that I'm putting into the chat room. Okay. From the one you put in initially, I do not like his look in there. There's something wrong with the picture. Something's not balanced about it. Uh, Honestly, it feels like they stretched him to make him look taller, and it's too thin. Like, there's something wrong with the image. Yeah, the proportions or something are funky. But what they are saying is that as in describing him, he's going to be more like the Christopher Reeve Superman and Clark Kent. No. 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 Well, no, because they're saying he's not going to be like the Henry Henry Carvel, the dark, the the broody. He's going to be more the good guy, such a nice guy type type thing. Okay. Okay. That's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't want the klutz. Okay, maybe more like a Brandon Roth Superman or Clark Kent. Not so much a klutz, okay. but the all shucks aspect of Clark yeah. Kent. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm I'm, I'm okay with Clark Kent the Everyman. Um, 
I mean, I, yeah, I, but he doesn't know, have to. I am gonna, I'm gonna give the show a chance. Uh, I overall, I did catch up to all of Supergirl, and I will say overall, it was a pleasant surprise. I told you. And so. now that it's on, yeah, well, yeah, I just had to work through a lot of bad stuff. Um, yeah. And, and now that it's on CW, my hopes are higher. That's why I'm watching it. I'm like, okay, it's going to be on CW. They can, they can really make this work better. Well, they've, they've already said it's going to be a four-series crossover. Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and Legends for their... their, their yeah, and actually, Le- Le- Legend is no longer a mid-season show. That, that surprised me. I like Legends. And of course, since we haven't talked about this before in the past, uh, they have announced that Flashpoint will be a major aspect mm-hmm. of the season. I'm okay with that. Yep. Well, I mean, that they're going to probably use that as a way of explaining how they're bringing Supergirl into it. Yeah, or they, they might still leave her as an alternate universe, just give give a better an easier access back and forth. But we shall see and we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about this coming fall, won't we? Yeah. Oh yeah. So with that, once again thank you very much. And here is the lovely Megan to take us out. Thank you for joining us on the Media Outsiders. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on iTunes. Search for the Media Outsiders. Also, follow us on Twitter at Media Outsiders. Join us each Sunday night at 9 p.m. Central. The talk show ID is 81865. This is the lovely Megan, and we will see you next time. Robot. Online. Standing by. Return to docking bay and power down. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.